Captain's Log, Stardate 74993.9. Lieutenant Commander David has informed me that a delegation from the 31st Fleet has arrived aboard Lone Star Station. Meanwhile, my executive officer is overseeing a series of transfers of supplies and personnel from the USS Shomi to the USS Lobo. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to all the letters in the alphabet. Well, hey everyone, welcome to another voyage. I'm the captain, I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and I have some uh, guests. I have a delegation from the 31st Fleet that has joined us here aboard Lone Star Station. Uh, led by the uh, intrepid question mark Vice Admiral Jay Galloway, the uh, the plucky Rear Admiral Jenny Hay, and uh, the ever virtuous Captain Scott Sterling. So everyone, please welcome them to the show. Um, it's it's so ha- I'm happy to have each and every one of you here. So thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Coming yeah. back again. I didn't scare yeah. you away. Well. I'm not saying you didn't scare me away. Oh, I mean, okay. but I mean, I, I had like plenty of like, I don't know. I went to like, you know, the, the station counselor and, you know, I got taken care of real good as a result of it. Like your, your two visits. I think it's what it's been, Jenny. Has it been two? Oh, it yeah. has yeah, been two. It, it has isn't been two. Isn't your station counselor Ezri Dax? No, no, uh-huh. no, that's Deep Space Nine. We're on Lone Star Station, my mm-hmm. dude. Could be no, I think she's off. She's off being the captain of the Destiny. Last time I checked, isn't that what it is? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's the Destiny. I thought it was the Aventine, wasn't it? It's from the Destiny novels, yeah. But isn't the Aventine her ship? It's it's something. It's it, a best class. It's a ship, and she's the <laughs> captain of it. So here we go. Like like Scott. Like Scott. <laughs> and I, I I didn't even have to beg Scott to. Uh, you know, give me a snack this time, you know, <laughs> to show up on the show or anything, or he'd have to offer me one, which is great. I love that gag, by the way. Like, every time, like... <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> such a fun gag. Like, just a random appetizer that Scott always promises me. So, uh, which he doesn't, but he kind of does. It's it's kind of, like, under the table, but Jay ends up getting all the Reese's and the pickles and stuff, and... I'm dropping way too many inside jokes right now. So they don't, don't even know what we're talking happens. about. <laughs> you don't even want to know what happens to the pickles. Oh my! I eat them. <laughs> this is true. I just turn around and ship them to Jenny. Mm-hmm. Man, oh man. Well, um, enough of this little rambling of stuff. How's everyone's week been going? Jay, how you been doing, man? Uh, not too bad. Um, today has been an interesting day. Um, Let's see what I set up my air conditioner because it's like 113 degrees. Mm. And then went and saw fast in the Furious Night. Nice. Okay. But, so I have to ask. So you saw Fast and Furious Nine. Yep. I don't think that series is ever going to end, by the way. But uh it will. Okay, well. Well no, because I've I've been watching a few videos on it and without spoiling. Um, but they said that Fast Ten will be the last of the, the franchise. But really? they will be branching off into expansion projects like Luke and Hobbs, or sorry, uh, Hobbs and 
what was the name of that last one they did? Hobbs and uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Thank you, Jen. My wife just answered that for me. There we go. Uh, the next one is apparently going to be the uh, the two main lead females. Is what everybody's saying. That okay. one's going to come first, and then Fast and the Furious Ten is going to be split into two parts, according to the interviews with like Justin Lin and Wow. No okay. that be? All right. Yeah. Well, I want to get to the, have, the the real the real question in this Fast and Furious thing. Okay. Okay. How was the Jurassic World Dominion trailer? <laughs> Every okay. The one thing you know about Fast and the Furious, everything is over the top, and they always have to outdo themselves the way they did before. But yes, when I saw that scene, the first thing I wanted to do was go find the Jurassic Park theme music and play it because it literally felt like. I was in the Jurassic Park world <laughs> as the explosions were going off and you know right and, you know the big cars are chasing and, and yeah it was just, that was pretty funny I, I like that okay but like I mean was the trailer any good I mean I don't know if it was just like international really like oh you're the, talking about the trailer trailer yeah the actual trailer about. for World Dominion uh, yeah no where did you oh. were you like in the loo I mean were you like getting popcorn or like raisinettes <laughs> while that trailer was going or something no no I thought you were actually talking about the movie because in the movie there's a scene Oh. where you go through and it's the scene where you see in the, in the trailer that leads up to it where the car is going over the rope bridge mm -hmm. and you know and it does its little slingshot maneuver thing you see that in the trailer so that's not a spoiler right sure. but leading up to that it's like a jurassic park moment <laughs> you have these big explosions all over the place <laughs> and <laughs> Goodness. minor spoiler yeah, minor spoiler, but they're big explosions, right? Like kind of like you see in Jurassic Park World, you know, where you see the big dinosaurs and they're chomping and like the big feet are all over the place, and you know, and the little dinosaurs and the people, you know, yeah. the little people are running out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of got that moment, mm. but as but as far as the um, that particular, no, I did not see. That. I apologize for not understanding. I was in line for this, which your audience can't see, but it's it's a uh, it's an orange cup. A big orange a cup. Big orange cup. Like 64 ounces of Regal soda. Oh my wow. goodness. How did you <laughs> wow. make it to the whole movie? <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a struggle, Jenny, honestly. Well, hold, on. Towards the end. hold on. I know this is a family show, but have, Jenny, did you see the size of that cup? Yeah. I mean, he just why. drinks it and then just. Oh, well. Yeah, you guys are lucky like that. If you say so. <laughs> well. No comment. <laughs> Rear Admiral Jenny, what's happening? How's your week been going? Uh, busy. Work has been crazy busy. Crazy busy. A lot of sports teams, and they ate, basically today, they ate me clean out mm. of food. Mm. I should say that all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is a family like show, a everyone. Family show. <laughs> They ate almost all the food. We actually had to go do a will call at our um, food provider because we ran out of food. Now, do you still work for Marriott? I do. Okay. What what Marriott brand do you work for? Or is it like a corporate Marriott hotel type of thing? Uh, no, it's Fairfield Inn. Fairfield, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I ever told you this, Jenny, but um, back, uh, what was it, around end of college? Or so um, so we're talking like summer of 10 I actually worked for a residence in in Flint, oh. Michigan and uh, 
they couldn't make up their mind if they wanted me to be a second shift or a third shift. So like I, my sleep schedule was always screwed up because like. Ah, uh, that's that's hotel life. Yeah. That's but very I did much it, hotel life. I Dude. did enjoy getting um, some biscuits and gravy before I left in the morning. Biscuits mm -hmm. and gravy were delish, and um, I. And that's what. That's me every day because I do breakfast. So I uh, got promoted as supervisor for breakfast. So I'm the breakfast supervisor. Yeah, you so are. So I always eat the leftover foods. <laughs> always. It's so good. It's so good. Um, there was a there's like one like beverage recipe, like unofficial one that um, someone taught me when I worked there, mm -hmm. and it's it was um, Irish Spring. Uh, like uh, not Irish Spring, um, Irish Cream. Is that what's called? Yeah, this the Irish Cream for like coffee. Yeah, the the yeah the, mm -hmm. yeah, the creamer. Anyways, like that, a hot chocolate packet, and um, coffee, and like you mix that all together. Oh my gosh, so good, so good. I don't like coffee, but I did a um, cranberry and orange juice mixed together. Oh, that's delicious. Well, speaking of waffles and food, my food dealer, <laughs> the good captain over here, he's being ever so patient. How you been, man? Good. Busy, but good. Yeah? Yeah, we, so what, uh... Oh, good. No, I was just going to say, like, what's been keeping you so busy? Work, mainly. Oh, <laughs> and uh, the other thing I do is I, I volunteer for Truck Radio, so I've been doing some stuff with them, too. Okay. All right. So, just so you know, Scott, I can't let you get through an episode without being heckled. When are you going to drop, get down on one knee <laughs> and give give the, the rear admiral the onion ring? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, you are the food dealer, so, I mean, I would expect nothing less than an onion ring to go on that hand. I'm just saying. Tell me you'll get back to him on that. Don't worry. He's, he's telling me soon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Us captains, we can talk. It's okay. But not with the, <laughs> not with the Admiralty. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, goodness. Oh, we, we can go away, right, yeah. Danny? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can, I, can, I can debilt myself to captain, you know, if you need me to. No. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> theory, you could be a captain in, in Fleet XO. Yeah. Theory. Mm -hmm. Oh, good grief. Good grief. The one thing I do like about our fleet is, though, um, the ranks are, once you leave the position, you go back down to captain, actually. Hmm. Yeah, so we don't keep this rank after we, after a no. year. They're elected, two years. Okay. Well, hey, maybe that's, this is a good time. I know that yeah. uh, when, when Jenny was on last time, we kind of touched on uh, Fleet 31 just a little bit, but having, like, you know, the crew here... Um, <laughs> You know, why don't y'all maybe kind of like maybe popcorn style or just one or some of y'all can kind of talk through what Fleet 31 is and kind of like what y'all do and ways to get involved, you know, since we're kind of naturally stumbling onto it right now. All right, boss man, go. All right. Um, so basically, I found Fleet 31 back in 2014. Scott was there at that time, also a few others. Um, Mainly what I rec recall Fleet 31 being is mainly a group of people who get together and they go to conventions together or they do other community events. As Because of COVID though, a lot of that's actually been cut back. 
So um, in, in that in that aspect, Jenny, myself, and Scott were all talking about trying to create a podcast to try to keep you know some resemblance of the fleet going. And because a lot of our members watching, I kind of wish we can get more of them on the air mm-hmm. with us. That'd be kind of fun, especially to meet some of the others. But mm-hmm. as far as what we represent, it's just a community that loves Star Trek and apparently pickles. Mm-hmm. And the occasional potato. Mm. But I, I mean, with that, yeah. With that said, though, um, what got me interested in this fleet was the um, the camaraderie, the friendships that you that were all around. People like Michael Malamore, um, one of the greatest people I know, Scott, mm-hmm. the late Andy Lutz. Um, you know, some of these great people that are out there. You know, unfortunately, a couple people have passed on recently, but. Not because of COVID, but natural causes. Um, it's just a great community overall, and everybody who's here wants to be here, and that's one of the biggest things I like. Unlike other groups, it's more about community and friendship than it is about power and control, sure. which I have seen in other um, so-called fan groups. And don't I, I don't want to get started on that, but the thing I like about us is the fact that we are a community of. I would, I want to say like a family, but as of late, we've been kind of like a little too distant. And I want to try to see what we can do about bringing us back together, which I know we were kind of talking about off the air, but we're Jenny, myself, and Scott need to finalize things about how we can uh, promote another community event day. Because the last one we had was last year. I want yeah. to say it was what? It was in October? Mm-hmm. It's when you flew. It's when we decided yeah. to take a flight. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah. like, yeah. I was just, I was just going to say that um, I think the first time that I even learned about Fleet 31 was because of your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought Jenny was, like, guesting on someone's podcast. I'm like, ooh, I know her. I want to see, like, <laughs> what she's talking about. And I didn't know that she was, like, a, a freaking co-host or whatever mm-hmm. with the thing. And, um, I, I mean, I try and pop on whenever y'all go live and, and heckle y'all and, and, you know, stuff. But, like... In all seriousness, though, like I think y'all do a really good job of creating community, creating space for people to just be them, be themselves, you know, be their dorky, normal selves, you know, like uh, whether it's it's you know chit chatting on like the the comment stream or or you know actually being on like the little you know wall of heads, you know, while the show's <laughs> actually going on. Um, I mean, I I, I mean. I'm kind of a member, kind of not a member. I don't know what I am, but like, I feel, I feel very welcome, um, with your show. So you're doing something right. So that's got to count for something. I think truly why we like our show is, um, we almost reply back to every comment that somebody makes a comment on, um, which is amazing. Cause a lot of times you do a lot of these podcasts and stuff like that. You, they ignore your comments and they just keep on talking. Um, I think that's why, and, and we have so many people who come back regularly and ask us, and actually convince us to expand. Mm-hmm. I'd uh, like we a, have, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I have a coworker that really wanted us to be on Twitch, so he could, you know, watch us wherever he was, coming home from work, listening, or you know, whatever. And he heckles me at work about it all the time, but it's it's great. And so we've actually expanded. We've waited to do it to our fiftieth episode, so it'd be something mm-hmm. special. Right, right. I still can't and, believe we did 50 episodes. We're actually on 56? <laughs> yeah, coming 50, up on 67. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah actually, you want to hear something funny about that? Um, we have to always check the episode before to find out what episode we're on. Because <laughs> it's so hard to no, believe. Don't cause... don't tell us. Don't um tell that embarrassing story. But forty three. Forty three. Forty three. Well, they can't see that. Remember, so this is a podcast. What Jay's doing? Uh, holding I... his fingers. And four and a three. He's the vice three. admiral, right? And I we may or may not have like three episodes in a row. Nabel forty episode forty three. Well, it was all of our faults, because we're like, hey, is it episode 43, 44? We're all like, no, it's 43 this week. <laughs> Why isn't it like 47? And then, and then right? the next week was 43, and the next week was 43. <laughs> because, uh, the program we use, it wasn't updating all the old ones, so when I went to go look at the program, it somehow kept 43 on top, and not what the last one was. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We wow. fixed the issue, but yeah, we, did, we just didn't know. <laughs> so Goodness. then we went from like 43 to 48. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We did. Yeah. The, the, the other thing about our show is too is we don't take ourselves too seriously. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, there are some people that I've um, been around in other podcasts where they take themselves way too seriously. I'm like, come on, guys. You're here for your community. You're supposed to be having fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And in the minute that this stops being fun, that's, you know, in my opinion, that's. <sighs> How would I say this nicely? Um, when it starts being fun, it starts becoming work, and, and that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to make this feel like it's going to be work for me, because right. I already work a forty-hour week. Plus, I'm on call twenty-four-seven. So for me, I, I don't want to add another stress to my life when I'm mainly here just to have fun and de-stress. Right. Basically. Right. Well, I think, uh, I think that's the the main thing, like with with fandoms in general, whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars, it's Doctor Who, I mean, pick anything under the sun, right? Um, that you want you want to enjoy your fandom, you want to be around like-minded people and have a good time and be total dorks with, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there's there's this show, there's this property that just brings everything together um, that people can just like have instant connections and also instant fights over. So that being said... <laughs> Who's the grace captain? No, I'm kidding. Um, how? <laughs> uh, that would be Cisco for the record. <laughs> I know people that would not fight you on that. Well, think about it. Cisco's the greatest captain ever. He's the most, I hate to use the word, but human. He is. He's the most human. He's the one with the most amount of flaws. He's a wartime captain, had to go from a peace transition, and he's coming from a dark place in his own in his own right. He has to right. over-transition that, then he has to over-transition the fact that he's now being considered like a messiah, or an emissary, but you know, how we would translate that to like a messiah. The chosen one, right? So he has to overcome that, he has to accept that. Then he has to accept this war that comes on, and all the death and the tragedy, you know, plus the fact that the sacrifices the guy has to make, he is probably one of the greatest and well-written captains in the Star Trek franchise. Right. And that's saying me to me. That's saying a lot because there's a lot of great captains. Yeah, and he's for the a, record. I do like Janeway, and he's an excellent father through all of it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deep Space Nine doesn't get enough love, and it's definitely in my uh, top two, top three. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely my two. Uh, no, but the the real question I was going to ask, and I was going to start with Scott on this one because I don't want him to you know get a get some kind of like complex like he's always going to be last <laughs> or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's used to it. Yep. Oh goodness! All right, Captain Appetizer. All right. So, 
I'm I'm sorry. I should <laughs> I should be more respectful. Captain Entree. Um, what <laughs> what got you into um, Star Trek? Like what's your what's your like Star Trek origin story? Like was it with your dad, your mom, your grandma, your grandpa? I mean, did you just stumble upon it like on PBS or something? What I mean, what uh, was that all about? I grew up on Next Generation because of my parents. Okay. How I got into original series was actually through my uncle. I would go over there to babysit, you know, my cousins when they were going to dinner or whatever. And he had a bunch of TOS episodes back on VHS back in the day. So I would just put one in and start watching it. Okay. Okay. So I've been Trekkie since I was three or four years old. So basically all my life. Okay. All right. I know, um, I know my co-host, um, who's, you know, not on right now. But um, Eric, he uh, like his first like actual like live action, um, like in earnest, like on his own was Voyager. But like his first time watching Trek was with his dad. And he's like asking about like who that dinosaur thing was. It was it was Arena, uh, like with the Gorn fight and stuff. And like that's what kind of got him. I'm kind of doing like the Spark Notes version of it. But like that's gen- like kind of like how he got into it, too. And um so Voyager for him by kind of way of of Barney fighting Kirk. So <laughs> anyway, how about you, Jay? How did you get into Star Trek? What was your, what's your story? Voyager? <laughs> Do what now? You must have been really surprised when they introduced the Voth in Voyager. The dinosaurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do we know? Dinosaurs are always going to be in Star Trek. <laughs> oh wait, I'm gonna quote something from not Star Trek. Uh oh. Don't tell me Doctor Who. It is Doctor Who. Oh, I, I was gonna hopefully you're gonna edit this on part. My spaceship. <laughs> you're gonna edit all this out, right, Chase? Nope. <laughs> nope. Chase likes Doctor Who. I do. I do. Fun fact, that's how Chase and I actually originally met. Yes, it is actually. We were we were part of a um, of a uh, Doctor Who group in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and uh, I don't know what it was like. I was new. Anyways, we've kind of talked about it on yeah, the air. Yeah, we talked about it, but there's just a little fun fact. Yeah. Let's go back to Jay. Yeah, Jay, how'd you how'd you get into Star Trek? Like, what's what's the story? What's the scoop? Um, long story short, my mother. Okay. Um, most of you guys have better. I don't know if Chase has, but I think Jenny and Scott have. Mm-hmm. Scott, I know definitely. Oh has. yeah. Um, so, growing up, it was always Saturday cartoons, and then I didn't want to go outside right away, so then, like, oh. And then my mom always put on Star Trek, because it was always on at 11 o'clock in the morning. So I start, sat down watching it, you know, said, oh, okay, oh, I'll watch this with you. And then after that, she kicked me out, because I started annoying her, because I wouldn't do chores, right? So she's like, go outside, rest of the day. But but, but that hour... <laughs> I just started watching. I didn't understand what, what I was watching at first, but you know, the more I started watching it, it's like, oh, I like this. You know, this is so good. then that's where this, yeah, this is when the seed started. So then, when the next generation came out, and I saw the trailer, it's like, oh, I want to watch this. I want to watch this. So I liked Star Trek, the original series, but what really got me hooked on the franchise was Star Trek: The Next Generation, mm-hmm. and the character. I've never actually shared this, not even with Scott and Jenny. Wesley Crusher is what got me hooked on the show because I actually like the fact that you know he was a 14, young fourteen-year-old guy, and I was 
by the time I got hooked, I would say I was about 14, 13 or 14. So it was like, so, you know, you're around there. my own age. Like, yeah, there I am. Me. Like, I'm on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I was the, you know, the graveyard helmsman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. That's how you think about sure. it. Because um, I've talked about it on my show, but I've had a pretty rough childhood at, at times. Um, so what used to give me through the day was watching Star Trek. You know, there, there I do have some good moments in when we weren't camping, we were at home watching cartoons, and then we were watching Star Trek. Um, but in the summer, we'd always go camping as a, you know, me, and my mother, and my sister. And then that kind of changed once my stepfather was introduced into the picture, and that's where all the bad stuff started happening. But like I said, well, what always was there is I would always Saturday morning. That was always a ritual: <laughs> cartoons, Star Trek, then get out of the house. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to make that sound negative. No, no that's, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. Um, yeah. I want to come back to that here just a little bit. But, Jenny, what, what's, okay. what's your story? Like, how did you get into Trek? <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm a little younger. So, you guys remember back in the 90s and those big blow-up furnitures, like mm-hmm. chairs, like you can blow yeah. up. And So, I, okay, I clearly remember this. I had a blow-up furniture chair in my room. It was late at night. I was supposed to be in bed asleep. Well, I was a teenager, I was young, you know, didn't want to do that. So I got up and slipping through channels on the TV and came across Voyager. There we go. And the episode I came across was called Twisted. The episode where the whole ship, uh, Voyager's all twisted and um, the scene, I don't know how I remember this, but the scene I came across that got me hooked was when Jane was reaching her arm into the, um, um, Jeffrey's tube and then her arm like starts going all weird and she screams and uh, I can't remember who I think Harry or maybe Tom I can't remember pulled her out that's where I got hooked on and I started watching Voyager ever since then then I told my my parents about how I like Voyager Star Trek my dad goes oh I like Star Trek he never told me that he was a sci-fi nerd and how he loves sci-fi in general so he loves Star Trek and Doctor Who and Firefly. Yeah. Like, he never told me this until I mentioned that I like Star Trek. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, a, that's a fun story. I, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit of some minor sci-fi horror with, uh, with that particular episode, right? That kind of got you hooked. I did not get hooked at a young age, by the way. But um, growing up, at least in the summers... Um, like I wouldn't go, like I didn't go to summer camps or church camps or anything like that until much later on. But like, you know, elementary school, maybe early middle school, perhaps, um, I'd be staying like with my grandparents and like my, uh, my dad's brothers, like they were right down the street, like five houses down from my grandparents. And, uh, they had a TV. My, um, the thing you got to know about my grandparents is they're like old school Pentecostal, like no TVs, no jewelry, you know, women had to wear long dresses, couldn't cut their hair, like all that kind of like old school kind of stuff. And uh, so I would go and I would basically spend, they would drop me off at my grandparents' house. I'd walk five houses down, spend the day with my (laughs) uncles because they had a TV. And, (laughs) um, And I would just like watch like random shows and stuff. And they had like really good air conditioning too, which was 
amazing. It's it's a it's a must here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would watch like I remember watching um, Best of Both Worlds without realizing it was best Best of Both Worlds, and I just remember these like Borg, and it was dark and creepy and laser beams and. I remember being terrified and having nightmares after just seeing like two scenes of best of both worlds at like, I don't know, six, seven, eight, whatever the heck it was. Mm-hmm. And, um, the next time I can recall actually watching star Trek was with my best friend and his mom. We went to a movie theater, um, in the fossil Creek area. And I think Jenny knows where the fossil Creek area is mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was Star Trek Insurrection, so 1998. So um, by this point, I'm like 10, 11 years old. And I remember, like, their, what was it? Um, Rafo and Picard are, like, fighting on the scaffolding towards the end. And he, like, shoots his phaser at some control thing. And I was like, at the, after walking, I was like, why didn't, why didn't that bald guy, why didn't he use a lightsaber? It's like I knew nothing of Star Trek at that point. But I came into Star Trek much, much later. And I Of course it was not strong in that one. No, no, no. no. I mean I came in young too. I was like nine or ten when I first came across Star Trek, so Mine was a lot later than nine or ten. (laughs) (laughs) I've said it many times, I'm not gonna reiterate the whole story, but it was basically Spike T V in college. Uh, for me, um, like they had like hours we upon play it hours, all the time, yeah, all yeah. the time on Spike TV, all the live long day of next. Now it's on and, uh, BBC so you, America. So you didn't have to suffer like the rest of us, like like us old timers. Oh, see, back in my day, it was you. You did have cable, but it was super expensive. Nobody mm-hmm. could really afford it, right? And there was not really many channels offered. So most time, you were on Prime Networks which the prime networks were all individually localized. So when I talk about Saturday mornings, I don't know, maybe you're too young for this part, Chase, or because I didn't realize you're 10 years younger than me. Um, but back in the day, you would have a lot of what they would call um, the local networks where you would have your syndicated shows, right? Like your He-Mans, your Transformers, your um, Voltrons. I mean, they had this whole lineup. They called it the Saturday morning lineup. And it didn't matter where you were in the United States, everybody played it. And then everybody would play Star Trek. Then after that, you would go to your B, B-roll movies. And have you ever heard that term, the B-roll movie? Mm-hmm. So now like sci-fi kind of does um, from time to time. And so do a couple other companies. But back in the day, the B-roll movie was who would ever buy the movie from the, each individual local. So like they would have to literally go out to the different markets and sell the movie to these people to, to play them. And so that's what a lot of it was for like us. So it was like, for me, getting Star Trek was, that was something that happened every every Saturday at 11 o'clock within new shows, you know, are always on the prime networks. Like, so when Star Trek Next Generation came out, it was on Thursday nights at eight o'clock. But then after it completed, it would go into the syndication, you know, later. But I want to say, was it like 98, maybe 2000? No, probably like 96, 98. They, the market started changing and more, of those local companies are getting bought out by bigger companies. Right. Scott, right. you're a couple yep. years old, aren't you? You remember that, don't you? I do. Yeah, because by that time I joined the Marine Corps, so I didn't really see the complete transition. I just remember when I was in the service that when I came back home, it's like, oh, 
cable is actually affordable now. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> when did this happen in the four years that I was gone, apparently? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, for me, I, I guess I had the different experience. I didn't get the cable growing up because, like I yeah. said, it was out of reach for most people. And now you just got these streaming network where these kids can just watch a whole season and, and sitting, one sitting. When we had to yeah. sit and wait a whole week and then sit well, through commercials too. <laughs> well, so like I remember, so here's the thing. I remember um, kind of, not now mind you, it wasn't a whole summer, of course, like best of both worlds and other, you know, season cliffhanger type stuff it was. But... I can distinctly remember one particular time on Spike where they did Best of Both Worlds Part 1, and it was the last next-gen episode of that week. Mm. And then it was, I think it was Monday before, Monday or Tuesday before Part 2 aired. I was like, what? And it was, I think it was like my, maybe, I think it had to have been my first time going through it. Cause like, I, there's no way I would have had that reaction if they didn't play it right away. But yeah, I, remember, um, I remember seeing Best of, a, Best of Both Worlds part one and then having to wait months to see part two. Remember that, Jay? Like, you'd see it in the part one in the spring and you'd have to wait till fall to get the conclusion of it. Cause it started. Wasn't that also, be, didn't also the reason for the, uh, for the delay was they weren't sure if they were going to get Patrick Stewart back for season four? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that also slowed down production. Yep. And that and that's why they also did what they did with uh, Chain of Command 1 and 2. Like, why they were getting Jellico set up was because they didn't know if if they if Patrick would return mm-hmm. for um, for the rest of, like, season 6 or 7. Or, or it, no, it was a season 6 episode. Because ta- I think he was talking about leaving the show around that time, which is why they brought in um, Beverly Hills Cop Captain. Can't remember his name. Yeah, well, Ron something, Ronnie something. They haven't really said it, but you kind of get it when you go to convention. You start listening Ronnie to Cox. some of the shows. Ronnie Cox. Yeah, Ronnie Cox. Um, but you kind of get it when because they don't really talk about it too much. But I kind of get an, a feeling that Patrick Stewart, because he's a Shakespearean actor, wasn't really happy with the cast. But I guess like after the third season, he finally accepted them. And accepted the shenanigans, and he and he accepted it with like an open arm. You don't really hear them ever, because Marina Sirs will be the first to tell you that they will never talk bad about each other. But she kind of, you know, she throw hands. Johnny would throw hands. Sorry, um, Jonathan Franks. He goes by Johnny. Um, you know, those guys were they would kind of throw hints at you at the conventions, like, oh yeah, we used to goof around a lot. And poor, you know, poor Patrick would, you know, have to try to round the children up <laughs> and try to get them on. It's like <laughs> they talk about the antics, right? But they never talk about it. So it makes me wonder, it's like, is that the reason why Patrick was not thinking about re- re- you know, re-upping his contract? I've heard quite the contrary, you know, that that uh, I don't know. I mean, that, Pat, is, that yes. Patrick like became like the worst of like the pranksters. Like he was like the ringleader mm-hmm. of, of all That's what the I heard. Things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think after I think after he accepted it, he he accepted it. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like Jenny when I first met her. She was all quiet. Now listen to her. She's vocal, and I love every minute of it. Goodness. <laughs> when he comes down here next year, just wait. I'm looking for I'm looking for protection. So if anybody is interested in getting paid in potatoes, <laughs> another inside my... joke. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Chase, are you hungry? You want some potatoes, buddy? 
Are we talking wedges? <laughs> Are we talking baked potato, French fries? Whatever you like. Mashed potatoes, twice Whatever baked potatoes. Like. I can get you the Costco potatoes too, the big ones. Ooh, you said the C word. I can't do that. Okay. I can still get you. <laughs> get you Sam's. How about Sam's potatoes? I can do a Sam's. Sam's yeah, Sam's me fine. too. Uh, really? Sam's is better than Costco, but that's another no. subject. No. <laughs> Walmart is evil. Walmart is evil. I told you that, right? No, no, no. It's like, seriously, Sammy and I, you guys have probably heard me talk about her. She, a uh, regular uh, uh, audience member, I guess is the best way of describing her. She's my uh, co-writing partner in a lot of Star Trek writing fan, fan groups that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's my primary. But we always joke around with like that, that we hate going to Walmart. Mm-hmm. And it's just because of what Walmart represents, especially like during the holidays when you're trying to get there, people are rude, they bump into you, they just get in your way. Nobody, you know, everybody just—it's—it's it's like a madhouse. So because of that, it's always left a negative impression on. So every time I'm there, I'm like, I want out of there as quick as possible because maybe I'm having a little PTSD. <laughs> but you know, like when you go there, have you guys ever gone to Walmart on during Black Friday? No, yes. I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so if you ever do, Jenny, you'll you'll get PTSD. Trust me. So so check this out. Um, I think it was. It had to have been two Black Fridays ago. Yeah. Um, we just wanted cheesecake. That's it. We just wanted cheesecake. Like, my, my brother-in-law, I mean, he doesn't live far or anything. I mean, he's in the Fort Worth area, so, I mean, he's within driving distance of us. But we were all just hanging out, you know, here at the house, and we just had a craving for cheesecake. <laughs> and... I live in a smaller town. Uh, Jenny knows what town I live in, and she knows it's a smaller town. Mm-hmm. But And the grocery store that I normally go to was closed at, like, I think 5 or 6 o'clock that day because it's Black Friday. Yeah, figure that one out. And anyways, me and my brother-in-law, we had gone to, like, two or three other stores by this point, and we finally gave in and went to Walmart. And we found a cheesecake... And we were, we're trying just to go the line. I'm like, I'm literally just buying a cheesecake. I do not care about the Xbox. I don't care about TV. I just want this stupid cheesecake. Wouldn't you know, they made us go all the way back, all the live long day, like to the back of the Delta Quadrant where the freaking Voyager was, Okay. <laughs> And we had to go on a 75,000 light year sojourn back to the freaking cash register <laughs> just to get our stupid cheesecake. Was it worth it? Maybe. But we got a cheesecake. We got cheesecake out of it. And Captain, Appeti- and Captain Appetizer did not play any role in helping us acquire that. You know why it was worth it? It's because you went through the journey. Mm-hmm. To the journey. Do the journey. Yeah. I'm I, like along the way. I, I am wondering if there was any coffee in the nebulas that we went through <laughs> on the way to Probably. back to the Alpha Quadrant. And Jenny, he's absolutely he's absolutely telling the truth. It's like, so you go through the line, right? So they. Oh, I've seen videos. I, no, it's I, a weird maze because like one lines get you through all the shopping, and then once you get through those lines, which are pain, 
because they only make the lanes big enough for one cart and for people are trying to go back and forth with their carts mm-hmm. so you're always constantly bumping into somebody or getting smacked or getting hit and of course you need a cart because you're not going to walmart well with the exception of chase you're not normally you're not going to walmart for one item you're going there to stock up right we just wanted a deals. cheesecake yeah that's all we wanted mm-hmm. the question i have is why don't they have an express lane for you you know 10 items or less well, it's nowadays, have y'all been like, to a Walmart lately? Like, uh, half the registers are now self-checkout. Oh, I know. Don't get me started on that, okay? Um, this is not the this isn't the the rollback podcast, okay? No, no, we're not no, no, we're no. not going to do like a bouncy smiley face. <laughs> so I'm just okay. curious how they're going to do Black Friday. This Chase, year so many self-checkouts. Chase, you do realize we're we're a tangent podcast, right? Yes, but you're on my podcast. Yes, we're on his podcast. <laughs> so we'll try to stay on topic. <laughs> I was trying to go, and y'all just—I was going to say—I'm wondering how they're going to do Black Friday with those. I, I did ask checkouts. them that. I did ask them that, you know, because what like, did they say? and they're like, we don't know. We don't know. Because <laughs> you know they started doing this during the pandemic, and you know this year is probably going to be the first real Black Friday. Since well, for Texas, everything's open up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, one thing, um, you know, I, I joke around about, you know, being in the Delta Quadrant um, on Black mm-hmm. Friday at Walmart and stuff. But, um, you know, the different these different Star Trek shows, right? Like we talked very briefly about like kind of how we got into it. You know, we talked a little bit about like, you know, the community that y'all have built or, you know, are continuing to build, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. And Jay touched on something I think that's very important when it comes to all fa- fandoms, and that is seeing yourself in characters that you're, um, that you're interact- interacting with on a show, a series, a franchise, whatever it might be. And for Jay, he said, and I'll give him time to, like, expand on it a little later on if he wants to, but that is, who do you see yourself in when it comes to a particular Star Trek show or any Star Trek show uh, for that matter. So um, instead of going straight to Jay, uh, I'm going to ask Jenny to kind of lead us off on this one. Like, is there a particular character that you feel particularly connected to whenever you get into like Star Trek or a particular franchise? Um, recent, beforehand, no, but uh, now, you know, Discovery's out there, Tilly. I see a lot of me and Tilly. Um, okay. She is, you know, just a little instant trying to grow. And I, at the time, I was trying to grow and get up into the man positions. And I have so much bundle of energy. And it, I, I, I feel myself as Tilly. Um, beforehand, I didn't see myself in anything else. But, okay. but that said, a lot of people have been inspired because I see somebody on Star Trek about science. And so now we have all these people who are astronauts and uh, scientists, and and they like you know their experience about astro uh, like, um, about space and stuff. So that's what I like about Trek is no, I didn't see myself in as a character, but I see people being inspired to become something more and great because of a character. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think Star Trek does that. Like, you watch any Star Trek documentary for the most part, and that's, like, a pretty standard theme that mm-hmm. you come across. Like, mm-hmm. what people talk about is, like, yeah, like, I was inspired to become, like, a, an aerospace engineer because of, of Star Trek. Or, you know, I want to be in the military and go to NASA or whatever. 
you know, yeah. I wanted to be an astronaut because of what I saw on Star Trek, or I became an engineer because of Star Trek. So I think, yeah, that, that's something that's really powerful about this particular franchise in terms of like how it inspires um, in ways that perhaps other shows do not. So, um, Scott, how about you? Is there like a particular character or character type that you feel drawn to within I Star see. Trek? I see myself as a combination of two, actually, and they're both engineers, Scotty and Jordy. Okay, tell me about that. Uh, well, I mean, I'm an IT engineer, and you know, Jordy was an engineer, and just growing up and seeing that and how successful he was, I wanted to be like him. Okay. Of course, like, you know, these two great engineers, I mean, fantastic people. I mean, case in point with what I was literally just saying. And you know, Jordy has unique eyes, and Scott has unique eyes. So you know. But but Scott has one thing Jordy doesn't have: the girl. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I just I just have to ask. I have to break this serious moment for a second. You don't have like some three D construct of Jenny that Jenny doesn't know about, do you? No. <laughs> It's two-dimensional. We don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 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 slightly awkward. I like it. All right. This is how yeah, podcast we... goes, guys. If you listen to us. <laughs> yeah, if you want to check out the tangents, go to the tangential Star Trek podcast. Star you know Trek, the funny thing about that is the next um, tangent. We actually we tried to be serious at first, and then. It didn't work for any of us. We, we were trying too hard, and then we realized early on that, like, no, this isn't us. You know, when you're first starting out, you're trying to figure out who you are, you know, and, and figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Like, we did Ship of the Week for a while. We talked about a new ship. You know, was it realistic? You know, could it support families? And then, as much as I like that little segment, we kind of moved on quickly because it's like, uh, it feels like, it doesn't feel like it was us. <laughs> it felt like, oh, Okay, what can we talk about that no other podcast is talking about? You know, that's literally what that Anything. felt like. And it felt boring. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, and so we needed to find something that worked for us. And yeah, we do have a love for Star Trek, and that's definitely what got us all together as a group. And we do talk about Star Trek, but we joke about the fact that we don't talk about Star Trek for at least 45 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> and I've called you out on that, too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we kind of we follow you right now. <laughs> You were that's why we came up with the 45 you're contractually obligated to not talk about Star Trek until you hit minute 45 <laughs> or an hour and 45 depending on the week <laughs> so we've already violated that rule being on your show but hey oh no 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 no, no this show it's okay I mean yeah. for us it's like 15 minutes like after 15 minutes you can talk about what about Star Trek so I think we're good um now, Jay, you'd kind of you kind of touched on Wesley, um, yeah. But is is Wesley like that? Is like that the character? Is like that the the character type, or is there like maybe someone else that maybe better or fully represents like you in Star Trek, so to speak? Well, I wouldn't say he represents me, but what he at the time what he represented is the fact that he was a youth, as like I was. We we're roughly around the same age, and so you know he was a role model he was an inspiration and it really made me sad to hear that a lot of the fans rejected him you know especially you know it's one of gene roderberry's last creation not the last last creation but you know he, he put his heart and soul into that character right um but for me what 
related to was Wesley was everything I inspired to be. You know, he was loved. He was in a happy situation. You know, he was making a difference in the world versus, you know, like I'm still trying to find myself and trying to figure out who I am. So for me, it was just somebody to look up to, somebody to strive towards. I mean, yeah, I could have chosen an older character, I guess, from the next generation. I could have chosen Picard, Jonathan, you know, uh, William Riker, Jonathan Franks, you know, AK Jonathan Briggs, Brent Spiner, AK Dave. I could have chosen any of those guys, but for me, it's it was him. And then when he left the show, I was kind of devastated. <laughs> I got but, you. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I still, but by that point, I was already hooked onto the show. Mm-hmm. But as far as my favorite character, the one I could probably say I relate the most to, I don't know, Jenny, you want to help me with this? You. I, I, I can see a couple. I can see a couple. Maybe Harry Mudd <laughs> from Discovery. <laughs> that fits our uh, future I like, cosplay. I like to cause some scenes or some fun. And fun. That is very mm-hmm. true. Yeah, mm-hmm. he could be Harry Mud. Harkum yeah, Thinkum J. Is that what we're gonna start calling him now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, but you know, I mean, all the shows I really like. I, I really do. I mean, even the animated series. <laughs> I'll I'll be the first to admit that. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I really like all of them. But if I had to say I was probably like any of them, I'd probably say Mud, honestly. Because he has fun, you know, and he's such a complex character. One of them, he can be happy and, or something, you know, you think, he, you know, there's something new about him, right? Sure. Yeah, like, you think about me, it's like, Jenny and Scott know me pretty well by now. But it's like, you know, I'm I'm an avid Star Trek lover. I'd love to write Star Trek, but I'm also a scout leader, right? I'm also sure. like other franchises. I like to volunteer. I like to help people. Um, I also like to listen to others, especially when they need advice. I mean, there's literally nothing I wouldn't do to try to help somebody else. Sure. Quite literally. Sure. You know, and, it, and a lot of that comes from the fact that growing up, I had a pretty rough childhood, as I kind of hinted at earlier. And the one thing I hated is how selfish my parents were. I don't mean my mother, I mean like my stepfather mainly. How selfish it was and how everything we had to do had to evolve around him. Right? I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love my stepfather and he's still alive, but, and we've worked through our problems now, but at the time though you know it was you know it was those kind of things that kind of built the character i was because i didn't want to be like him so yeah. i looked for different ways so star trek for me i'm going to swing this back into star trek <laughs> was those i was the ideology for me it was the core values of what i accepted as life it's like you know i could either accept this childhood and upbringing i was given or i could strive to be something better so the ideals of the federation you know the prime directive those kind yeah. of things is what really you know made me the person i was that and of course religion but you know that's what i'm saying you know, this show the shows that helped out especially in, you know in the early 90s when uh the shows were you know more like utopian style you know everything was a perfect city everybody worked together everybody got along everybody helped each other out that's where i was going with that whole tangent sorry and that, that's where i am from you know that's how i see myself i guess did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, and and I think, yeah. I think, um, I mean, our stories aren't exact by any means, yeah. Jay. But like, I think there's like some degree of similarity to it. I mean, like, um, like growing up for me, like it wasn't sunshine, rainbows, lollipops, and unicorns. Myself, I mean, I had I had my issues growing up um, with with family, uh, with you know, with one of my parents. And 
it took a long time, um, like until like at least my early to mid twenties, I want to say, uh, before things really got resolved. And even then it was like still kind of touch and go at times, uh, with some stuff, but like for the most part, like things are good. Um, but yeah, like I, I mean, we've, you and I, we've talked, um, I think off air and sometimes on air about the fact that, you know, I grew up in scouts too. Scouts is like, um, well, you, you said you're a scout leader, but like the point is like, we've both been involved in, in boy scouts and like scouting church life, just things in general have been very, um, instrumental in terms of like anchoring me and kind of, you know, keeping me, keeping my, my head on straight, so to speak. And, um, um, I think like, this kind of segues slightly into you know what I'm saying like you know we've we've talked a little bit about all these things right like who we may, maybe see ourselves as uh, to a certain extent um, or, or you know how we're represented and um, I'm wondering like with like comfort if there's like a comfort movie and or comfort episode that like kind of draws you back like when you're having like a craptastic day, like just as an example, whenever like non-Star Trek related, Jenny will appreciate this. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, with with me, like um, with Doctor Who, for example, like the Shakespeare Code, that is my comfort episode. I love Shakespeare. I love David Tennant. I love David Tennant as the 10th Doctor. It's... It's a weird story, but it's got like all the things, and there's just something about that episode that whenever I've had a really bad day, I can go and watch it. Um, so, um, like for me, like I think Times Arrow one and two is just like comfort food for me. Like I can just sit down and watch that for you know an hour and 15, 20 minutes, whatever the runtime is for that two-parter, and just have a good old time. And like my all-time favorite. Star Trek movie is hands down first contact, but it doesn't mean that I necessarily want to always watch that as like comfort food, so to speak. Like my comfort food might be something like, um, Cheetos, Cheerios, (laughs) or frosted mini wheats or something. I don't know. No. Um, (laughs) my, my, my my comfort food might be something like, um, wrath of Khan or voyage home. Um, or undiscovered country. Just, I mean, it's it's usually it's not going to be necessarily a next gen movie uh, for me. So I'm kind of rambling on that. Um, Scott, I mean, is there anything that's like coming to mind for like a comfort episode or a comfort movie for you? Uh, for me, you actually touched on it. Voyage Home. I love. Okay. Just I love the humor in it. Yeah. yeah I was I was joking with um, with the guys on the last episode. Um, we were kind of talking about the newest um, Discovery book that came out um, recently. And um, just like the Kurtzman era of Trek, I'm not here to poo-poo all over them right now or at all. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, but, you know, like there's just been like an excessive amount of profanity that's been in the Kurtzman era of Trek. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's funny. It's just, it's funny whenever you watch Voyage Home and like they're crossing the street and the taxi tries to, I was about to run him over yeah. and well, a double dumbass on you. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? What is that? 
goodness. How about you, Jay? What's what's your Star Trek comfort food? Star Trek comfort food? Yeah, what is it, man? That would have to be a good one. Um, I'm not like talking about gah. I'm not talking no, about that. I'm, no, I'm talking to, No, I'm probably going to have to say Deep Space Nine. A couple episodes. The Visitor. Oh, it's that's, probably that's one of the best. Food? Ugh, I don't I hate I, I have opinions. Voyagers, I don't like it. Voyagers um, episode where the doctor kind of loses it. And um, because he has to choose between two friends. And literally, that's what it comes down to. He can save one of the lives. But no, I like when I need comfort or I need something. I like to think of somebody who has, you know, a bigger problem than I do and how they work through it. Because it kind of helps me figure out how I'm going to work through it. That's fair enough. So I like those things. Like, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's why I like the visitor. The fact that. The father has to go through his whole life and then he gets to the point where he realizes there's nothing he can do but try to be there right and it's his son that has to figure out what he has to do to save his father's life and, and the visitor but like you know at the end in voyager and that one particular episode i forgot the name of the title but it's one of my favorites no not two weeks it's the <laughs> one where janeway um decides instead of wiping the doctor's memory oh, oh. she has to she has to let him figure it out and so she spends like two weeks and she literally stays up with them and just makes herself sick because she's trying to be there to emotionally support him while he has to it's, figure out the, you know, you know, it's about, the episode right? where, uh, he, they first erase his memory cause he did something bad. Yeah. Well, he breaks down. He breaks down because he did yeah. something bad. He, he had to choose between two things and then they cleaned his, wipe his memory of that then he just slowly discovers things that he saw like he was doing a scan on one of the crewmates and saw surgery he goes i don't remember doing that surgery and that starts yeah and so that's when he uh started realizing he did all this stuff and he's trying to figure out what happened and finally they show him what happened and he basically melts down because he had a choice between two different people and he chose one of the over the other and it was seven of nine who actually had to make Janeway see um, the reality of the situation. She's like, well, why does he get a memory wife when somebody like me who's been, you know, imprisoned by the Borg has to live through this? Ba you know, she didn't exactly say that, but that was basically the message she gave her. And Janeway's like, you're right. We work with you. Why aren't we willing to work with him just because he's a software program? You know, she had to overcome and adapt her situation. So in, in a way, it was two people learning to adapt the situation those are the kind of episodes i like because it makes me think oh well if these people can figure it out then maybe i can figure out a different way of looking at things sure yeah we actually sorry just, <laughs> no we just we actually just did it um an episode on the visitor not not too long ago okay and um love that episode um it's i gotta be in the right mood for it um because i mean it's it's some heavy stuff that, that the characters are dealing with in that episode, but it's can I also a darn give you a, good episode. Can I also give you a non-Star Trek one of the ones I like that are comfort for me? Yeah. K-Pax. Kevin Spacey. Forget the actor, right? But phenomenal job in the movie. Okay. Have you seen that one? No. I have. I Kevin know about Spacey, it, but I haven't seen it. Kevin Spacey's character um, is in a mental institution. He's basically a new, right? I mean, he doesn't speak, doesn't say anything, you know. And then all of a sudden, one day, he just comes to life. It's a totally different person. He says he's an alien from a different planet. 
and that he's going to be going back in X amount of days. And then, you know, people don't believe him at first. The psychologists don't believe him. And then, you know, the more that the episode, or no, sorry, the more that the movie goes on, people are starting like, is this guy for real? You know, because and then he's like, okay, if, if you're truly an alien, where's your system? You know, he, so you tell him. And then he's like, oh, well, that can't be your system because it has too many suns. And, and you know, and he's like, oh, well, let me show you how this works. You know, so he did this diagram and they did the math on it. And they're like, wow, right? you know, this is impressive, you know. And then he, he gets to the end of the movie where uh, they didn't really answer the question. But in the movie, they get to the last day where he says, I have to go now. And then when, when the next scene that you see him, he's back to the original character that you saw in the beginning of the movie where, you know, he's just staring off into the distance, doesn't say anything. Hmm. And, you know, it's like, what happened? You know, it's like those kind of, you know what I mean? It's like movies that make you think, movies that make you want to, you know what I mean? Because in my opinion, it makes me open my mind and open, you know, my ideas to new thoughts. I gotcha. I'm picking up drilling down. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times in movies, like you get the same old click, click, bang, bang, you know, even in the Fast and Furious 9 when I saw it today, it was like every other Fast and the Furious movie, just a little extra, you know? Sure. Not something I have to think about. Not something, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, that gets me, you know, creative mind going, shall we say. Yeah. Jenny, I don't think we got you no. on, on your comfort food. I have several that I go, like, ones, these ones I watch all the time because I like them. Uh, I like D, I like a lot of DS9. I like, um, Oh my god, what's that episode called? Oh my god, I can't think of the episode name. Move Describe along. it. In the Pale Moonlight? No, that's a good one, though. Uh, baseball one. Oh, what Take is... Me Out to Hollow Sweet. Yeah, okay. Take Me Out to Hollow Sweet. Yep. One of my favorite. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. One of my favorites because it's, it's lighthearted. It's, 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 it's great, and that's what makes me feel like if I want something, it's funny. I can almost quote the whole entire episode. But it makes you feel better. And that's what I like yeah. about it. I also like um, Bar Association, which we've done before. I don't know why yeah. I love that episode, but I love that episode a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, on Voyager, Drive is one mm-hmm. of my favorites. I like that one a lot. You know, so I have a few that I watch constantly. And if I just want to watch something to make me feel better, those are the yeah. few I go back to. Oh, and one more on DS9. Um, Batter before strong or strong before battle or barb something about strong battle on ds9 i can never remember the name of it for the battle i think it's called for the battle is where uh sis uh jake cisco and monsieur are coming back from a conference that jake was writing about they get transferred to a planet because of the klingon battle and Jake Sisko's writing about his life, his story about what happened on that planet. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was mm-hmm. a pretty good one. So yeah, there's a few that I like. But definitely thing, take me out to Sweet. One thing uh, I, I just re- realized I didn't mention. Um, y'all went through your characters and I mean, Jenny, y'all know, I, Jenny definitely knows this, that like I cosplay Riker. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, I'm Riker. I mean, I love I love Riker. But I think, like, the character that I, I can start to connect with, or I feel, like, really 
connected-ish to is uh, Trip. Uh, Trip mm. Tucker. He's he's a lighthearted dude. He's a jokester. Um, and he's all about people. And he's all about fixing things, being there for people when they need them, um, but also having a good time. And not that other characters in Trek aren't like that. I just, I think I see myself the most in Trip Tucker, more so than like Riker, for example. Yeah. I'm sorry for back, for backtracking on that, but I just realized I didn't say that. Um, but like, I think anything from Enterprise, I could really sit down and just enjoy. I mean, I know people give Enterprise like a really hard time, but I really like the show a I lot. Too. I really like Enterprise. I think it, it gets a really bad rap. And uh, I think because it's the newest Trek, right, that it's going, it was going to get the the worst shake of all of them. And now we're seeing that, of course, with Discovery. To an extent, we're seeing that with Picard and also uh-huh. Lower Decks, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Next Gen, I mean, I wasn't around, but like I've read plenty of stuff about how Next Gen was just ridiculed because it wasn't Kirk and the original Enterprise and Spock and McCoy and all that stuff. Can so, we really put Lower Decks in that category? Because Lower Decks is its own thing. Its own unique little corner, its own little universe. It's not meant to be taken seriously. It's supposed to be lighthearted. It's supposed to be fun. Sure. But I think Slight I think it's the fact I I think it's just because it's Rick and Morty, so to speak, in the the Star Trek universe. And I think that's partly why some people might give it like a hard time, like some people just think it's like dumb humor. I don't know. I Yeah, I have a friend who does not like it. She she is hardcore Star Trek fan, but does not like Lower Decks because of the it's not Star Trek. If that makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense, but for me, I always but have a hard I time. But I still think I see it. they do. They still give you a life lesson. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Is I'm, I, I see what your friend is, and I'm not trying to dog on her or diss on that. It's just to me, if somebody's a hardcore fan, even if you don't like it, it's still Star Trek. Right. Right. I mean, it, it's not going to fit the traditional Star Trek sense, but short. Mm-hmm. I mean, Discovery. I don't know about you, but I love Discovery. I love it, but it's not does not fit that Star Trek brand of life lesson each episode. Like, you don't get a lot of life lessons and discovery, per se, than you do, like, Voyager or Deep Space Nine or TNG. Because you, you get that get one that. episodes. Discovery yeah. is a long, uh, you know, season arc type sto- yeah, show. It's a serial, serial arc. Yeah, you're never going to get that in Discovery or any of the newer stuff because of Alex Kurtman. Right, but and, I'm just saying... Direction. But this it, is their direction that's what i'm trying to say Danny. i don't mean to cut you off yeah. but it's the same thing they did with battlestar galactica mm-hmm. you know when this whole series ends whenever that comes down the road we'll never get this again you know whoever the next mm-hmm. showrunner is the next producer they're going to give their own particular take on the franchise same with your doctor who's right i'm assuming that each doctor who's not the same because i heard all of you guys say which one's your favorite and you have them all ranked and, and it's from what i've heard when i'm not a fan they're all different they, they share a similar plot, right? They're all the Doctor Universe, same with Star Trek. They're all in that universe, but the way that they're being portrayed is different. More, you know, more I mean, or less, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, so we're not going to get the utopian society that we all grew up in in the 90s. Too. Right, yeah. We're going to get what's current to the environments that we live in today. 
the fast paced technology, the fast camera action, you know, the the, the serialized flare. melodrama. Yeah, the lens flare, the serialized, you know, melodramas of what well, it makes the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I think but like I've said I said this like on episode if it wasn't episode zero, it was episode one of this podcast long time ago, year and a half, almost two years ago by now, that in my opinion, good sci-fi is is the platform for critiquing and discussing contemporary issues. So it's but it, it I think the the good factor is does it remain timeless? Like does it stand the test of time, so to speak, or is it stuck in the 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 um, and that sounds kind of I don't know counterintuitive with what I'm saying, but like is it isolated right only with what it is doing at the time, or can it speak to issue issues that that go beyond the one, the two, the three, the five years that the the issue might be going on, right? Sorry. I was saying TOS is very much like that. There's a lot of episodes they show that are still going on to this day. However, mm-hmm. given this, given I want to answer Chase's question there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think it can test this, you know, stand the test of time. As much as TLS um, opened the door and allowed things like, you know, your first African American woman with the interracial kiss, you know, your first Russian on there. There's a lot of things that the show has nowadays that they would never do in today's society. Oh yeah, you know, especially with the sexism back in the, in the day, girls had to wear the short mini skirts. You know, they were, they weren't given really big lines. To start with, I'm talking, I'm referring to her mainly, and also to Majel's characters, you know, like Chapel and forgot Gilman's name. Rand. Oh, Rand. Yeah, yeah, Rand. You know, the different characters, right? But you know, like I said, every generation has their own way of doing things. So. The thing I like about it is I can go back and look at the 60s like, oh, this is the way things were back in those days. So I can forgive some of those things versus like other shows you try to go back and watch. It's almost cringe worthy. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a huge fan of Star Trek that I can forgive it. But to answer your question, Chase, I think, yes, I think it can stand the test of time. And I think even after this whole series of, you know, like Picard and Discovery and Lord X has completed its run, you know, and it's in the syndication. I think it will stand even for the next generation of Star Trek that comes right. after this. Yeah, I think the thing about Star Trek is that it, it again, not just Star Trek, but good sci-fi, regardless yeah. of what the mm-hmm. franchise is, is that it gets you to think about things that you didn't originally think about, mm-hmm. or gets you to mm-hmm. consider things yeah. that maybe you wouldn't have originally Absolutely. considered. Right? Um, let that be your last battlefield. I always get that episode name mixed up, but like, you know come on now i mean like that's that's good that's good sci-fi right there you know um like all the stuff that i think we're we're starting to see even with um first season of picard love it or hate it okay i'm not here to make that that call i think part of the conversation has to do with identity and what identity means to people to a certain extent um at least i think there's like a snippet of that that's kind of coming out from um, from the first season of Picard. Um, and Discovery has a couple different messages, I think, that are kind of being tossed around through the seasons, which I think is the point, 
with mm-hmm. it being so serialized. And of course, we'll wait and see what season four is about. Michael Burnham saving the day on whatever the next cataclysmic, life-altering, universe-ending event it might be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I see uh, Discovery kind of being like, do you remember a show called Babylon 5, Chase? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's going to become like that, where there's things that happen in first season that aren't going to pay off until fourth or fifth or sixth season, however, we, you know, however long we go with it. Sure. Sure. But I, I kind of want to touch briefly. I won't go into too much because I don't want to upset your fan base. But <laughs> uh, the first season of Picard, I actually liked what they did. I mean, I know that a lot of people might have a hard time because of the fact that Picard's no longer perfect. What? But I like that. But I like, I that. like that. I like that. I love that personally. <laughs> Picard, you know, he gets a, a reality based slap. You know, when he was in Starfleet, yeah, he was this perfect guy. He was in his prime. Now he's retired, you know, he packed his ball and went home. And then all of a sudden he's needed again, but then the rest of the world's like, that's great. Yeah. You know, let us know how that works out for you. You know, this is kind of the approach they gave him. But this is what I liked about that series. And, you know, Patrick Stewart said he didn't want to come back to the original 90s Picard and they, they pitched him ideas and then this is what they came up with. So right. I'm pretty sure this is what Patrick Stewart wants too as far as his character mm-hmm. development of plot goes. So I, because I will, of the fact that he's supporting it and the fact that it's different, that's why I like it. For the most part, I did like Picard. It was just like some stuff I was like, mm, no, I don't like that. No, I'm going to take my shuttlecraft and go home. But... Here's the thing, here's the thing that I don't get and I'm really not a gatekeeper. I promise you I'm not a gatekeeper when it comes to Star Trek. I think this is like a legitimate question. But we see this utopian future, right? Like that's what what Roddenberry was like mm-hmm. painting this this picture of like whenever he dreamed up this this utopian future, okay, with Star Trek. And we see we see our early beginnings, of course, in first contact. We see, you know, in terms of like how we got to space, right? Um, we we see its development later on in in uh, like the early years of of this, you know, United Earth and Enterprise and all the struggle bus stuff that we go on as early explorers. Of course, we see the bright '60s. Again, everyone gets along in the Kirk era. Again, every, pretty much everyone gets along in the Picard and the Janeway stuff because she's over on the Delta Quadrant. But we start to see things kind of fall apart, and I'm not blaming Cisco. People in listener land do not think I'm blaming Cisco. That is not what I'm saying right now. But I'm just, I have such a hard time as I follow the narrative, okay, of what I know chronologically with Star Trek of how we could go down so quickly in 20 some odd years. Like I don't I don't I don't see it being like that quick of a decline. I mean, I mean someone reined me back in, but like it's just kind uh, of it's kind of weird to like see it I happen have a, so fast. I have a different take and I I honestly I have to thank Picard for this the, the Picard series for this. Sure. Because you, you get a hint of it, like you were just saying, Chase, in, um, in DS9. Well, Deep right. Space Nine is not a Federation station. It's a... Bajoran. It's a Bajoran station, you know, that have their own ideologies and their own beliefs. But yes, it is ran by... Or, sorry, it's managed by the Federation. 
but the thing that you saw in Picard is so the the whole first season about Picard is literally uh, about I hate to uh, I'm gonna go a little too extreme on this and I apologize for that but they're they're basically nitpicking everything about the perfect utopian society every time you hear somebody talking about that's not part of the federation or like yeah you guys used to be this big great entity and this big corp thing until something happened to your own people you know and then you turned your back on the universe you know it's like if we're not good enough paradise you know i'm, I'm paraphrasing here like you know sure. we're not good enough paradise and then we're not, you know that like you just didn't care about us so i think what we saw in the utopian society at least through picard is we're seeing it through filter through a filter we only see what the federation sees. we don't see what the Cardassians see we don't see what the klingons we kind of a little bit but not much you know the rest of the universe is saying oh wait a second okay yeah these guys are in their own fantasy land you know they all think they're happy and then what happens 2385 you know a romulan you know minor spoiler like it's the dvds i can spoil that right minor yeah, spoiler it's, it's been over a year <laughs> okay minor spoiler you know cheap of security uh you know reprograms mm -hmm. all the synths and then they attack mars and it changes the ideology of the federation overnight quite literally you know right so now you're kind of seeing the other side of that you saw a little bit in Deep space nine you're seeing a lot of it in picard you're seeing places where when picard and the crew of the lost Lorraine are going to their places you see that oh the federation isn't as a utopian society as we were led to believe only if you were one of the member worlds only if you were in starfleet did you see this perfect society you know i mean i guess in a sense like when you're in the military for example like tie this into military we have a different mental mentality a different lifestyle frame right we don't think like civilians do you know everybody gets up every morning they get dressed they go to work you know they they do their job they go out and they drink they have fun together and then, then what they do the next day they get up they go out they, you know it's the same thing over and over and it's this mentality this lifestyle that you get used to so then when you transition out they have to do what they call a transition period when you leave the military kind of like with starfleet i'm pretty sure that once you left starfleet you had to learn how to transition back to your cultures you kind of got a little bit of a hint of it from like people like yars for example like yasha and her sister sorry tasha and her sister mm -hmm. um you know they're talking about like the darker side of the star trek universe but they kind of gloss it over lightly you know so you do see other places but you know but the main focus on all the shows i think chase that came before was always about the utopian society of the federation you know because even in tos it was always versus the alien worlds which the alien world is supposed to represent the other countries of the united against the united states right and try to you make also kind of sorry you also kind of see right. this in discovery yeah i'm not gonna go too lot. far in it but you, you you're starting to to see that it wasn't so utopia um like we are used to in discovery i'm not gonna do too much because it was just passed recently but yeah yeah i, I want to hear from scott here in a second but like i think like one one thing that's important to remember is that um if you want something bad enough you got to work for it you got to fight for it mm -hmm. and perhaps there's there's this you know um not entitlement but maybe like a, a smidge of it that's kind of going on you know of like well this is how it's always been and this is how it's always going to be so you know maybe it's kind of having like the opposite effect of what um 
what the idea of like with this utopian future of like yeah you can like money's not an issue because you can go you can go do whatever the heck you want to do you can be like jake and go be an author and not have to worry about anything or be a writer be an author whatever so um anyways scott what what, what are you thinking man we think captain appetizer i don't know i mean jake kind of covered a lot of what i was thinking good job jay you're, a mind well, I mean, you're an empath. You're you're from Beta Z. <laughs> Actually, I, I do. Um, because I did tell you guys, I do a lot of writing, right? So a lot of my characters are Beta Z, and it's a lot of fun <laughs> to to write as a Beta Z and to try to block other people's thoughts when you're when you're doing things like that, and then try to create an alien culture race where you have really very little information beyond oh, well, Deanna Troy is cute and she wears a dress, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You, you get a little bit from like Deep Space Nine, where you, you see Suter, right? Okay, he's a homicidal maniac that is more believable and down to earth because of the struggles that he has to go through. You know, I wish I would have done more with the Deanna character, but you know, again, you got to forgive the fact it was the nineties. She was there for the prettiness, yeah, sex appeal. And I hate I hate that, and I like I mean I liked it for the sex appeal, but I hated it for you didn't really see her character grow. Right. Yeah. Until she got back into her spacesuit, as she's yeah. Quoted, yeah. been quoted as saying. Yeah. Until and she got her then, uniform back. Even then, she barely had any character growth. You saw more of it, honestly, in Voyager than you ever saw. I was going to say, yeah, you see more in Seven to Nine in her sex appeal than you see yeah. Troy in their development. Well, even Troy, she got more character development in, in um, Voyager when she did that crossover episode with Reginald Barkley. <laughs> yeah, like all the Pathfinder stuff yeah. project mm-hmm. stuff yeah. they're doing yeah that was more character development that character had and then the whole entire seven seasons of the next generation <laughs> goodness goodness <laughs> it was a big mess you know and i'm not trying to dog on it because i absolutely love the next generation again you know it's like we were saying earlier it's just the the time that they lived in and the way that you know movies and tv shows are produced mm-hmm. that you have to forgive those things but it also gives you a piece of your history so it's kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Well, um, I think as we start to to uh, you know land this a little bit, so to speak, you know, pull into space dock, or at least make the approach. Um, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I mean, we've I think we've we've run the gamut in terms of stuff. Like we've had like our more um, lighthearted moments, and we've definitely had our more serious moments. Um, with with like our discussion today um and I, I think that's i think that's important like to to balance things well right um you know you know whether we're talking about who we see ourselves in or you know how we take comfort or how the show has inspired us i think there's a place for all of it um and th- and that's a thing that those are some questions that to an extent like we as fans all fans of whether it's star trek or any franchise should um should consider what aspirational qualities does any particular property or any particular character um, have for me? So, um, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to kind of make the rounds. Just any any final thoughts about anything, right? Like, that we've been talking about or maybe that we haven't talked about as we, again, kind of start to close this, this episode out. I guess I'll go first. Um, the only thing I can suggest, guys, is... Um, approach any sci-fi show with an open you know 
understand that what you're watching, you know, is meant for entertainment and is meant, you know, to show you a potential future of what, you know, what you're watching. And also watch the older episodes too. Find out what's came before because there's over 800 plus quality episodes of um, Star Trek. But if you really want to show with character development, I would highly recommend Babylon 5. Oh yeah, that's definitely. That's one of my definitely favorites. But I know this is a Star Trek podcast, so um, definitely, like I said, you know, just go in with an open mind. Fair enough. I don't have any more final thoughts. We talked to we talked to all me out. Jenny's talked out. The real admiral talked is out. all talked out. I am. I am also really tired, so it's hard to focus. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up since four a.m., so you know. Yeah, Poor soul. I gotcha. I gotcha. How about you, Captain? We've talked a lot. We've run the gamut. I agree with Jay about One Five is a good show, and always approach not just Trek or sci-fi, but a lot of things with an open mind. You never know what you're going to discover. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I will try with Doctor Who. Hey. <sighs> Hold on. We have we have it recorded, y'all. Recorded. You heard it here. On the, you heard it here first. That's right. right. You did hear it here first, but we'll talk maybe off the air on our show about which series to watch first. There we go. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, before before we go, uh, before I do like my final closeout, um, maybe tell tell folks how they can get involved with uh, Fleet 31 um, in terms of being a member, getting active, and uh, ways that they can interact with you. So whoever wants to lead off with that, get active. Mm-hmm. Our Twitter account's a great thing. At F thirty one C is a good okay. one. Yeah, that also leads into our podcast too. But if you're interested in joining Fleet Thirty One, a couple ways you can do that is go to our website Fleet Thirty One dot com, Fleet the number three and one dot com, or you could also go to Facebook slash um, Fleet Thirty One. Are two great ways. Um, I just recommend getting out there, reaching out, you know, saying hi. Community is pretty opening, and they're welcoming and if you have a chance go to a convention or try to do something that's a little outside of your you know your normal if you don't go to conventions try to go to convention you know if you don't do a lot of social groups try one that's what the nice thing about the fleet is at least with our fleet is you will always be welcomed with open arms mm-hmm. nice and i gotta say um i i totally want a fleet 31 uniform i just have no idea how to get one or if there's a pattern that i need to get to make it or something but well like, the person I totally we... want one person who usually makes them um now kind of lives off the grid for kind nice. of per se like she comes into town like once a month to stay at a hotel with the ac hmm. but uh you can also buy them off those asian or chinese websites or we used yeah. to i don't know if you can anymore well they always come and go yeah yep. i i do like donna she's talking about donna mm-hmm. i do like donna's uniforms but hers usually made out of wool and there is a basic template chase on the Fleet 31 website where you can find the information that you're looking for. Uh-huh. If you actually want the dimensions, I'm pretty sure we can get those for you too. Nice. Yeah, I, but yeah. I may have the pattern here somewhere. I asked Donna for it a while ago. So I guess I was trying to custom make my own. Nice. And I think like like what I'm talking about, I think your your uniforms are essentially like a hybrid of the, the Monster Maroon and the First Contact uniforms, mm-hmm. essentially. Correct. So... so. Anyway, well, um, I want to thank each and every one of you, um, like, you know, Jay, Jenny, 
Scott. Thank you so much for being a glutton for punishment and joining me and guesting on this um, episode today. Um, for anyone that if you've enjoyed this conversation, even if you haven't enjoyed this conversation, go give them some love and support on their show, on their Facebook page. Um, it's it's a great community. They're doing great things. Um, we. They have big hearts for the most part. I mean, if even if you don't like Reese's, I mean, you still got a big heart. We uh, <laughs> we go live. Uh, we go live every Wednesday, uh, 6.30 Pacific, 8.30 Central, 9.30 Eastern. Yep. Um, this this block has to be later on, so don't worry about it. We will be we'll be live um every Wednesday. Yep. And um and they they'll, they'll they usually announce like you know if they're gonna be like on a break or a hiatus mm-hmm. or whatever. So just um, check it out. And um, I pop up every now and again either as a talking head or as a heckler in the comments section. So. <laughs> then you're um, always welcome. <laughs> so you're always welcome, you. and we do need to do part two of discovery, but we can talk about that later. Sure, sure. You can follow us also on Twitch too. Nice. We just start Twitch so. Mm-hmm. And I and I'll make sure um, that links are are in the description of this particular episode. So um, that and uh, we'll also make sure that it's on our, our socials too, that people can find you a little bit easier too. So um, anyways, again, thank you so much to each and every one of you. Um, all you out there in listener land, I'd love to hear your thoughts in terms of like some of the stuff that we've talked about today in terms of like your comfort food Star Trek, maybe which character that you particularly connect to, uh, whether outright or indirectly, um, and just anything else that's come to mind. Uh, if you want to interact with us, trtvpod.com. Um, there's a, an About Us. There's all different pages on there for you to connect with us, uh, including a comment box and um, links for our emails and all our socials. We are on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at trtvpod. Um, if for some reason you are averse to going to a website and filling out a comment box, you can you know, open hailing frequencies and enter in accordance to trtvpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. And uh, if you want to mail us something, like some gach or, I don't know, pickles, Rumley baked ale. potatoes, anything <laughs> like that, uh, that's good. Reese's peanut butter cups, as long as they're frozen and not all melty stuff. Especially in like, Texas heat. <laughs> especially in Texas heat. <laughs> Um, make sure that gets to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Um, thank you to each and every one of you. Just remember, if you do want to support the show, there's multiple ways of doing that, telling your friends, uh, giving us a like um, on an episode that you listen to, subscribing. Uh, you can also support with merch. Uh, we have cool T-shirts and sweatshirts and bags and stuff that you can get on our website there too, or become a patron where there's Patreon-exclusive stuff. So um, that's it. All that is at our website, trtvpod.com. Anyways, as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it simple.